Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. You're listening to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. We pick up right now where we left off last week with Dr. Michael Kaufman. You had a, on your website, you had a blog called The Marching Toward Tyranny, and I was really fascinated by it because you go into detail about all how all these regulations are stealing private property rights and stealing freedom. So how about some examples of how Agenda 21 really takes away property rights of individuals? Let me give you a couple of examples. Let me start first with why property rights are so critically important. People take property rights for for granted. We all do. I mean, that's the way it's always been in this United States. What we do not realize as a as a culture, as a nation, is that private property rights are what gave the United States the ability to become the most advanced and the most powerful nation on planet Earth in the history of the Earth itself. What happens is with private property rights, and our founders knew this very clearly. If you read their writings, it was very obvious they understood these principles. But we have been educated out of those principles. And that's the other side of the story is, and I won't get into it now. We can get into it later. But our education system has been taken over, and all of the truths of this have been eliminated out of our education system, so we don't know any better. But let's get back to private property rights. Private property rights are so critically important to your liberties, to your wealth, ability to create wealth and so forth, that it is basically the foundation upon which Western civilization was built. Now, let me give you an example. Just go back several hundred years. England was the most powerful uh, nation in history during the, you know, three, four or five hundred years ago. Why? Because of the Magna Carta. Now, the Magna Carta was initially a very weak document. The Magna Carta was one of those documents that gave the elite, the royalty, the dukes and so forth of England, the ability to challenge the king and establish their private property rights so the king could not take them. But over a period of a couple hundred years, by the 1500s, what happened was that that was changed. The Magna Carta was changed to the point where the property rights extended to the average person. Before that time, the average person couldn't own property. And as a consequence, now that they could own property, and the banking system that was developing in England at the same time allowed the average individual the ability to actually take out a loan, as it were, equity. That's what we do every day here in this country. Uh, at an equity loan on their private property to invest in something or someone 
or, or, or the merchant ship going down to India or wherever the case might be. And England became the most powerful nation in the history of Earth because of that. Private property, very, very critical. We had the same thing up until just about 20 years ago when we had the ability, you can go out and you say you had 20000 or $40,000 in equity in your home, you can borrow $5,000 to either buy stock or to start a business or whatever the case might be, and you can actually grow wealth because of that. You can create wealth. Just understand that because the mentality of the current administration is exactly the opposite. They would not want you to be able to do that. They do not want you. It's called the Kisnian economic theory in which there is a single piece of pie and everybody gets their little share of it. And tr for you to try to take more means to rob someone else. With true capitalism, as expressed in the free market system that we're talking about right now, you have the ability to create more wealth, not just take it from someone else. And that is the key difference between what we had in the United States up until recently and what the rest of the world has been trying to do all this time without a whole lot of success because you cannot create wealth when you prohibit people from creating wealth. It's just as simple as that. And private property rights are the mechanism by which to do this. And our founders understood this very clearly. One of the things that they really had as an example was the fact that England who was a, you know, we went to war against England to get our independence, but they at least understood that because of the Magna Carta and because of the ability of the average person to actually create wealth through buying into a business and so forth or creating their own business, versus France, who was still under the feudal system at the same time. That was what Thomas Jefferson, that was his era. He could see it happen in Europe. And we have lost that, of course. But the fact is that he understood the principle that we must have private property rights. And therefore, when we actually developed the Constitution, not the, Bill, not the um, Articles of Confederation, but the Constitution, Madison pinned it in a way to give very strong private property rights to individuals because that was the only way that we could actually create wealth here in the United States. And it's worked brilliantly. Now, that doesn't mean it's perfect. No, no governance at the hand of man will ever be perfect because you have the hand of man governing it, and it always will have um, greed and all the rest of it involved. But as far as a form of governance is concerned, the free market system based on private property rights is the most powerful form of governance you can possibly have to allow an individual to be uh, live in liberty and freedom and create wealth and be, create prosperity. And what we're seeing with Agenda 21 is exactly the opposite, exactly the opposite, because Agenda 21 literally destroys private property. Now, what I can say, why am I saying that? It's because if the government sees you doing something that they think is bad, then they have to stop you from doing it. And Agenda 21 literally does that at every level of our economy and every level of our liberty. It basically it basically tells people what they can and cannot do, and as a consequence, and of course it gives them the favoritism and all the rest, and we're seeing all this right now across the country with, with uh, certain companies and so forth getting abundance government contracts and others being shut out uh, as the government trying to determine who prospers and who fails 
in this society. And that's part of Agenda 21, is that they have the control, the means of the ability to tell you what you can and cannot do. Now, they hide it behind all this wonderful language and so forth, but in fact, that is exactly what it is. And I will say this, with bold print and everything else, is that you cannot implement Agenda 21 without destroying private property rights. It's impossible. You cannot do it because it demands that you destroy private property rights. We have to take a quick commercial break here on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. More with Dr. Michael Kaufman right after this. You know, to our founders, and I want to reiterate this point because this is so important. To our founders, they understood that private property, the entirety of your private property, was your land, your home, your possessions, the work of your hands, the ideas of your brain, and your life itself. And that's what they protected and secured in the Constitution. You're right. When they wrote the Constitution, they said, this is a man's, a sovereign man's private property, and this document protects it. And a good example of how successful it was is from the founding of our nation until 1913, the value of the dollar actually rose by about 12 to 13 percent. Once the progressives took over with the 16th Amendment, 17th Amendment, and the Federal Reserve Bank between 1913 and today, the American dollar has lost almost 100 percent of its value compared to what it was in 1913. And that is because we've departed from Milton Friedman, Austrian school, free market economy, which is so critical to success and prosperity for the individual. It is absolutely. And one of the things that I, I gradually tumbled onto when I was doing all this research and so forth is the fact that it's the free market system that is being attacked at this particular point. Now, they're using all the buzzwords, Agenda 21, and all the rest of the things to try to fool us into thinking that their way of doing things is better. But what the real attack is on is the free market system, because until they destroy the free market system, they can't control us the way they want to. That's why I prefer to use the word free market over capitalism. Yes. Free market is really the concept. I mean, that, and what's the, what is the essence of free market? Choice. Absolutely. Choice yes. and personal responsibility, which is the other side of free choice. In other words, if you, you make a free choice, if you're successful, fantastic. If you're not, you pay the penalty and you pick yourself up and go at it again and try to be, learn the lessons as to why you failed and then become successful. That's what the free market is. That's why this country grew by astronomical bounds uh, after the signing of the Constitution until the Federal Reserve Bank. Until the Federal Reserve Bank. And that's been the worst drag on our economy and our liberties uh, that the mind of man has ever conceived. And it's why we're going to fail as a nation and an economy here probably within the next couple of years, because the Federal Reserve has driven us right off the cliff. We're really off the cliff right now. And there's nothing but thin air below us. The only thing that is holding things together is that normalcy bias that you talked about. The fact is that people expect to be able to get up the next day and have the same thing happen. But sooner or later, people are going to begin to realize, hey, you know, there's nothing holding us together at this point. What's going on? And when the panic sets in, that's when we're going to see a major crash. 
You know, I always say that we are just one stupid move, one foolish move away from catastrophe in this country. I think what you've articulated so well is that we are over thin air, and it's being propped up by, I mean, God knows what, because by all, by all economic principles, we're bankrupt, we have no money, we're, we're, this month we use the, the American MasterCard to pay the interest on the American visa, next yeah. month we'll, play, we'll use the American visa to pay the interest on the American MasterCard. I mean, I tried that in college, we all did, but we had mommies and daddies to pick up the pieces, and U.S. doesn't have a mommy and daddy. And so when the air goes out from below that bubble, we're going to fall. Absolutely, and that's the only thing that has kept Europe going during the last 100 years is the United States, is that they could depend upon the United States to bail them out from all their socialist uh, stupidity that they have created over there until finally the United States is in the position where it really can't do that much anymore, and as a consequence, Europe is failing. In fact, there's a lot of articles in the paper right now going on at this point where Germany is beginning to fail and looking like they're heading into another recession. Italy is already there. Spain is in big trouble, uh, and so forth. Of course, we know Greece is. But the fact is that they have tried, and they're going to start printing money just like we have done in our Federal Reserve here in the United States. As you look back over the last several years, what you find is that the only, you say, we don't know what's propping us up. Well, it's because we've been printing money, funny money, out of thin air. It's called quantitative easing, and you cannot do that for very long before there is nothing left to back up quantitative easing, and the value of the U.S. dollar is going to plummet right through the seat, right through the floor. Now, why is the Federal Reserve doing this? It's insane. Well, there's two things that happen. First of all, we went through a recession or a depression back in the 1930s where we had deflation. The one thing that the Federal Reserve cannot tolerate is deflation. It cannot ever go through that again because deflation means you have to pay back more dollars to pay off the debt because the, the value of the dollar is worth less. And so it takes more dollars to do that. Now, on the other hand, inflation, I'm sorry, yes, inflation, if they can create inflation by pumping money into the system like they've been doing the last five years, you can actually create some level of inflation, keep ahead of the deflation, so that you are paying the debt back with cheaper dollars. Now, why is that important? Well, right now we have 17 and a half, or a little over 17 and a half trillion dollar debt. Actually, it's much higher than that, but we won't go into that. And we're paying about $400 billion a year in our interest. Now, we're paying that $400 a billion dollars a year with cheaper dollars. In other words, we're inflating those dollars so that the dollar that we're paying that was accrued back four or five years ago is not worth as much today, and therefore we're paying it back with cheaper dollars. That can go on somewhat indefinitely, but not ever, not indefinitely forever. And now what we're seeing is that if all of a sudden the Federal Reserve had to raise its interest rates beyond about 0% is what it's doing now, I think it's 1%, I haven't checked it recently, then all of a sudden... We go from $400 billion a year to $600 billion a year. If it goes up more, if it goes up to 8%, which is not unlikely historically, if it goes up to 8000000000 billion, you're talking about a trillion dollars a year. And you can go on and on like this, and all of a sudden you're beginning to see what kind of problems we're having right now because we cannot continue 
to have almost zero interest rate by the Federal Reserve has got to go up, and when it does, we're going to be facing a massive interest payment that we have to pay every year that's going to just dwarf our government. It's just going to consume it. And when that happens, of course, you lose faith in the U.S. dollar and the U.S. the value of the U.S. dollar plummets. And then we have trillions and trillions of dollars coming back to roost in the United States that are out there in the world right now. Let me step one more point, because it's important that you understand that the dollar historically has been the world's reserve currency. And for, say, Russia to buy, or China to buy oil from Russia, they had to use U.S. dollars. That meant there was a demand for U.S. dollars. And we have literally hundreds, well, tens of trillions at least, of U.S. dollars out there circulating in the world because that's what nations have to use to have international trade. Now, if all of a sudden, which is actually happening today as we're talking, the U.S. or the Russia and China develop their own mechanism of payment, then all of a sudden they don't need the U.S. dollars anymore. And all the U.S. dollars that they had before they want to get rid of, so they try to sell them on the open market, which causes their value to plummet. And before you know it, we have huge inflation here in the United States, and uh, even to the point of runaway inflation. And that is what we're looking at probably in the near future. I don't know that it's going to happen, but it's happening right now because there are many nations that are trying to get away from the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency. And we have created, the Federal Reserve has created that condition to, that has created the, the the real threat to every single American citizen of absolute absolute economic collapse because of that. Now let's look at a different the whole picture the, a different way. Let's look at the fact that the U.S. Federal Reserve, which is not U.S. at all, it's just a private inter, a private company with stakeholders, mostly European stakeholders that are part of the Club of Rome that we talked about earlier. But nonetheless, uh, we have those stakeholders giving money out as 0% interest. Sometimes it's just negative interest. And so what we're seeing here is that companies, banks, uh, all, you know, the, all of these big houses and so forth that have monetary exchanges, all the rest of them, are taking that money at, say, 1%, then they're reinvesting it in back into the Federal Reserve, which pays 1.5%. Now, I, I'm, I'm jumping the gun here, but that's in essence what is happening. And so the Federal Reserve is paying them, say, a half percent interest on, borrow, on their borrowing from the Federal Reserve. I mean, it's insane. But what happens is that that still stays in the marketplace of Wall Street. So Wall Street, the stock market skyrockets, which it has. People are making billions of dollars on this scheme. And the Main Street, you and I, don't get a penny because we have such huge draconian regulations on borrowing for mortgages and all the rest. And as a consequence, what is happening is that we're seeing this disparity between the middle class, the poor, and the rich starting to widen Tremendously, It's not the rich's fault. They're only taking advantage of what they've been given. But it is a Federal Reserve strategy to protect those who are rich. And our president and the Department of Treasury is up to their eyeballs in this. And that they are blaming the 1% for all the problems that they're having, and they're creating that 1%. It is the most duplicious kind of 
uh, evil that I have ever seen before, because the only ones that are getting rich off of this are the ultra-rich to start with. And it's not their fault. It's the government's fault. That concludes this week's episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum with Dr. Michael Kaufman. Tune in next week for more. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Yeah, when I play the hoochie-coochie man, I get joy in everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning.